0: You're listening to the Fox and the Phoenix Podcast. Understanding the feminine cross-dressing experience. The Fox and the Phoenix Podcast is now a proud recipient of two 27th Annual Communicators Awards, garnering audio and podcast distinction for individual episodes in the categories of society and culture and diversity and inclusion. I'm Savannah Hawk,
1: Crossdresser and author of the Living with Cross-Dressing book series.
0: And I'm Julie Rubenstein, proud ally and co-founder of foxandhanger.com, a feminine styling and life coaching service for cross-dressers and transgender women. Hey, Savannah.
1: Hey, Julie, how are you today?
0: I'm good. I am good. good. It is a beautiful day. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty happy to be alive. (laughs)
1: <laughs> That's fantastic.
0: So anyways, yes. enough about that, yes. you are headed towards a very, I don't know, I don't know how to set this up, but you are, you are entering a new zone in terms of your visibility yes. and in terms of your outreach that I would love to, to expose today <gasps> on the, the podcast. Would oh, you like to share? Oh,
1: shoot. Is this going to be an expose?
0: it's going to be an opening for us to talk about an even larger topic and
1: snap well I'm happy to share do it listen I don't like peer pressure (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh by the time this episode airs I believe my Ted talk will be live and available so I've been. Wait, spent-
0: sorry, I didn't. Yes. I didn't hear oh, that. Could you I'm get sorry. a little closer to the mic?
1: Oh, I'm sorry. I think
0: Let- you said schmedgemock. but I'm no, not
1: sure. No, I'm sorry. I said TED talk.
0: TED, 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 TED. Yeah,
1: it's um something as a result of this podcast, and you're in my visibility, reaching a little new height. Mm. Um, the next thing I should be doing, which is do one of these bucket lists and goal career-changing, life-changing moments. And that was a TED Talk about cross-dressing.
0: I am so... First of all, Mm -hmm. I feel like you're playing it down just a little, but not really trying to. But let me just turn up the volume and the energy pull with this because this is like a big, giant deal. It is. And this is something that you've been wanting to do for so long. And I'm so thankful to this platform because it has given you the confidence to believe, not only does my voice have value, but I have something to say that is worth being heard. And you're not just speaking on behalf of you and your experience, and you know that. And I think that that's part of your drive for this is that you're not just speaking for yourself and your experience. You're also speaking on behalf of all of the closeted, cross-dressing individuals all of the people that aren't able to find anyone anywhere that they can really connect with or speak to their story. Like not everyone has read your book, but maybe just maybe this talk will be like, Oh my gosh, that's, that's me. Or, Oh my gosh. Like, I don't know if TEDx has ever had someone with your story on there.
1: I don't think so. I've actually, as a result of working with an agency, she does this for a living and she crafts your submission form and works with you and collaborates and then sends it off out into the TEDx world, whoever's accepting applications. And mine was accepted by the North Carolina State University TEDx. I did exactly what you just said. I did go onto TED.com and say, "Yeah, do they have cross-dressing? Is that a keyword? Am I going to find that a hundred people have already done this story? and to my amazement and kind of disappointment that while there's lots of stories about parents of trans youth and Mm -hmm. you know i understood that my son was actually my daughter um you know transitioning a lot of those stories are being told but none for cross-dressing and i was like kind of shocked and i feel like there's a lot of pressure on me right now to make this the most relevant TED talk for our group is I can. The reason why I'm downplaying it so much is because I'm <laughs> so scared and like petrified and under pressure for like wanting us to be the best it could be for everybody.
0: And my hope for you, and I know that this is possible. I know it because I know you with a little bit, of my, with a little bit of mindset shift, if you can see whatever it is that you produce on that stage as enough, Mm. because it doesn't, you are enough and what you're saying is enough. And just the action of you getting accepted is a victory for the community. Just the action of you standing up there and speaking something meaningful. It's huge for the community. It shows that we are, moving to a space where you and I have been trying to move us towards, and that's Mm -hmm. to normalizing cross-dressing and to create some understanding. So I know you have a tendency to want to be the best at whether it's the best at your feminine presentation, the best at whatever it is. But I just hope that maybe even as soon as after this recording is that you can have a come to Moses moment where Mm -hmm. you're just like, okay, Whatever I do, I just want to strive for good enough. It is too much to strive for perfection. It is too much pressure. Currently, our listeners don't know this, but there's a lot of moving parts. You're in Mm -hmm. kind of the re-editing phase where you just want to nail down that good enough so that you can memorize it, so that you can get your beats.
1: I feel a lot of pressure to make it the most relevant for the people who need it and i think i put that kind of pressure on myself because i want to be not just good enough i want to be like hit those points get that message across that we're all in it together and we all could advocate and we all can empower ourselves and tell it through my story yeah it's it's a lot and i think the problem is i came into this week with it feeling like 97% there and then yeah. uh, then it got some more curation commentary and then it felt like it wasn't good enough and you know yeah. You and I wing it. You and I when we get to a topic. yeah, we don't have a script.
0: you were doing something that I have also had on my list, and I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> nope, yeah, maybe in the te- maybe in on my ten year plan, I believe that there are billions of stories that just never get told, mm-hmm. and that every single person has a story to tell. and only the brave people go ahead and they put you know pen to paper and they write that book and now being able to go out there in the arena, give your talk, I can imagine it's a a lot of pressure. And also there's this idea of like being misunderstood. Mm. There's the idea of presenting something to a population that's the mass audience. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Let's assume that the cross-dressers are already on your side. And when you're up there, you have all the cross-dressers kind of lifting your heels to the heavens. Mm. Right. And then you have the LGBTQ plus that may not have the information out there within their resources, but they're also listening and they're also standing behind the cross-dressers and saying, okay, we're listening.
1: Mm. Right.
0: So you have that. And then you have the people who you would like to get to this million listen mark. And you have people that may have certain misconceptions about cross-dressing and they're tuning in just because they're interested and they want to hear what this is all about. Yeah. All of those different groups, you're speaking to them. You are already being heard by them. They're already listening. They're already pressed click because they saw the subject, you know, when this is released to the masses. So I'd say in your meditations, when you're thinking about this, know that you already have people that whose ears and hearts are opened up. Hmm. All you have to do is open up your mouth. That's all you have to do. And if nothing comes out, you're fucked.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Wow. Wow. Thanks. Thanks coach. (laughs) No, that was awesome. I loved it. I loved it. You know, I can't look at this as if, you know, oh, I'll have another TED talk if this one doesn't work out. I want this to be the one. If you like you said, if I'm myself and I'm genuine and I know my craft and I bring all those things to bear in the most honest and truthful and savannah way, then it will be good enough and it will resonate and it will have legs to carry it onward.
0: You will have legs and something that I've done before job interviews. I've done before speeches at the synagogue, talking about my bereavement group at mm. Temple Sinai. Anywho, <laughs> Before any, you know, before any big thing that I really want it to go a certain way, what I've done is I get out a notebook and I write exactly how I want it to go. Mm. I write from the moment I wake up, that I was calm, that I seemed to have a, a higher power to it. As I was getting ready, I was fully in it. I was engaged. I was so excited to get out there and just fully flesh out exactly how you want it to go. Mm-hmm. When, I, when I got on that stage and it was my turn, I hit my mark. I knew all the key points and it went better than the best time that I rehearsed it. Nice. I did this before the first free to be she I did. What that does is it, t- it removes you from that fear space and it places you in that intentional space where you're actually bringing what you want towards you rather than kind of feeding that fear. I know that you have a rehearsal coming up and like yeah. driving down there is super stressful, creating a, a plan for how exactly it went. I went there and I was received with such kindness, which gave me such confidence, which made everything I said interesting and educational. And and that's when you go to that freak out space in your mind, like, I'm losing it. How am I going to have enough time? Oh, my God. That's the kind of like raft or um, life jacket that will bring you back, that will ground you back. So I do recommend that because if you say, who's got time for that? Well, you have a lot of time to worry and a lot of time to (laughs) create this manifesto based on fear. Yeah. This could be five minutes that could change the entire story. So that's, I don't like to give advice, but that's something that I do recommend.
1: Well, uh, Dr. Rubenstein, I have another question for you. Yes, uh, uh, first time caller, long time listener. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Actually, the the one thing that I didn't tell you is the fact that me being this visible going to be a complete game changer for me. Yes. I can hide behind the writings in my books. I can hide behind this audio podcast and nobody would ever know that I do this. This puts me on an international stage with an international reach online that could could get me recognized by by whoever it might be that somehow knows me as chuck i've already alerted my hr department in case right just in case it's like hey by the way um i'm gonna do a ted talk they're like oh my god that's great do you need me to uh talk to your boss to get you the time off to go do this thing i'm like well it's less about the time off and more about the content. Oh, what's the content? Well, me as a dual gender individual, you want to call me? That was the next slide. <laughs> <laughs> so um, and we had a fantastic conversation, by the way. I'm not taking anything away from that. She's been amazing. And, but the fear for me was, yes, that's, this is going to reach a bunch of people who will need it and maybe you feel empowered by it. But yet then I'm like, holy shit. I'm going to be vulnerable and in the crosshairs, and my face is going to be up there. And I say my first name as Chuck on air in this talk. Mm. So there is so much that is now going to be exposed of me to the masses that could get back to my family, get back to my coworkers, get back to my neighbors.
0: And that was kind of the where we wanted to thank you for bringing us back <laughs> um, because that was actually the topic for today. Oh, OK. And it was the idea of continuously pushing yourself to be more and more visible and what visibility m- means to you you know, it's kind of like saying you got vulnerability down. Oh, I'm real good at vulnerability. I do vulnerability. I talk about shit and I get dirty. And some <laughs> people are like, uh, Julie, you're not. Because every, every vulnerable situation is like, maybe someone else is like, oh, you just said the word v- vagina. You know, maybe for other people, that's like, ooh, so exposing. But for mm. me, it's, it's not vulnerable, right? right? And for right. you, someone who got that feta cheese and you continue to go to the store and Yes, nailed it. Or you got the Starbucks thing. Or you come out to certain people and you feel like, okay, my visibility threshold is doing pretty well because I'm in the world. I got this. Mm. But then there's the idea that you're putting yourself, you're challenging yourself with this act of exposure. I mean, you're going to have a giant vulnerability hangover no matter what. Like the fault. So just like take two days off because you're going to be, it's going to (laughs) be big. Okay. Yeah just the idea of like putting yourself out there on such scale. It's a reminder that a you're still Savannah. You're, you're not Savannah, the author and the speech you're getting there, <laughs> but you still have those fears such as like, if my parents see this, All right, the likelihood of your parents seeing it very slim.
1: Yeah, they don't tell me that yeah, they even
0: check their email,
1: right? They don't know. They don't have email. They don't have an internet access. They have no cable. Yeah, they, they are pretty much as uh, far off the grid as a person can be and still be on the grid.
0: <laughs> so. But yet, right. And then your office, I mean, the, even if you mention Chuck like three different times, the fact of someone that works at your company stopping, seeing it. It could go in the like irrational fears, it could go in the it's a slight chance that this might happen, one a gajillion, but it's still real for you. It's still scary. It's
1: still scary. I still do. This is still a risk assessment for me, unfortunately, and this is something I'm sure many crossdressers who put themselves into a vulnerable place. And maybe some are like, "Oh, yeah, you know this person and this person know, and my best friend knows, I'm like, "Oh, what well, does your other sister know? No, no, they wouldn't really be on board with this. I have two other sisters who do not know about Savannah that I would be curious how they would react to savannah and they have uh one of them has children who has children, sees it, and then it goes upward up the genealogy all of a sudden. the one who's the most internet savvy finds me." and it becomes a wildfire of like oh my God do you know what Uncle Chuck just did yeah <laughs> so
0: yeah Uncle Chuck is really Auntie Chuck guys what?
1: yes no. it, it's scary to think that once I do this it's out it's out there's no taking it there's no putting this genie back in a bottle
0: I remember when we did the episode I'm not sure if this dude looks like a lady it was some episode where you had the graphic where you had half Savannah half Chuck mm on the graphic. Yeah, yeah. And that was a huge, that was a vulnerable share. It was was a vulnerable share. It was very dicey, because it was on Facebook. Because it was the first time you were exposing both halves of yourself in an already kind of dicey situation with Facebook and the identifiers and and all that kind of stuff. It was very risky and scary. Now that I hear you talk about the fear a little bit more, it's so understandable. Just going to be like, and at the same time, no, it's scary as shit. You're doing something that is so brave and so exposing that I don't know. (laughs) I was just going to be like, I don't know how you sleep at night. (laughs)
1: Oh, wait, I oh, wait, I don't sleep at night. Exactly, that's why I like that (laughs)
0: place, but let's just kind of i was gonna say let's workshop this bitch. but basically like if you were to let's say that mm. the computer savvy sister or her children yeah were to find you
1: mm-hmm.
0: what would happen
1: like what would i do or what would happen
0: what would happen
1: depends depends on if they cared enough to reach out or just keep it to themselves or share it with everybody else but me or bring it back to my parents or maybe my sister sends it to my other sister and then my sister who does know is like oh yeah you know it could go a hundred ways before it even reaches me now what would i do i have with this vulnerability understanding the risks understanding where i want to be in the world right where i don't want to live with the fear of somebody outing me
0: right
1: and also making this more okay for people that it is okay that we can have two sides and why is this such a, a terrible thing i am prepared to take on all comers nice S- simple as that if they accept me they do if they don't they don't if they want to ask questions i'm happy to answer if they disown me and and cause chaos in whatever possible little ways they can well, that's not going to work either because i'm prepared right. to be okay with that too so, I've hit that plateau going to Starbucks, being visible, sharing it with more people. All these little things that were these little vulnerabilities at the time, while they still can be vulnerable, depending on the person you are being vulnerable with, mm-hmm. like telling my boss is scarier than telling my coworker. When I told yeah. HR this last week, I had heart palpitations as I was Mm. texting her because it was like, this person, I don't really know that well, but they represent a part of the organization that should be very much behind me on this. And then she says, oh, do you want me to tell the president of the company so that he knows? I'm like, whoa, 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 (laughs) whoa. And I felt a lot of trepidation on that for a minute. I want to be able to tell him on my own in my own time, who I've known for 26 years. We've been at the company the same time together. And I wouldn't want this to come from HR. It's like, oh, hey, by the way, your employees got this thing that I'm going to tell you about. And it really should boil down to me saying, hey, by the way, um, I want to share this with you because this is coming up and this is important for me to share it with you. So there was a lot of, I had a lot of angst and a lot of uh, trepidation and a lot of, no, no, it should come from me and not from some outside source. I, I'm never going to tell somebody, it's like, well, if you tell two people and it went well, you'll never have to have fear about telling people because that's not true.
0: It's not true.
1: And but this right. this is taking this to the the nth level for like hey, how to tell the most people with as little time as possible.
0: <laughs> yeah. How to tell the most people within an 18 minute space of of, <laughs> of of stage, the lights, you got the Ted thing in back.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, actually, you know, we know a certain couple who is probably way braver than I am because that wonderful person actually opened up and told everybody about herself on Facebook to all her family and friends. And that's something I haven't done yet. Like just kind of declare it and say, Hey, by the way, this is me. But is she
0: getting up in front of amount of people? I mean, we all hit our, our thresholds. You're doing something that is so scary on a human level. Mm. You're putting yourself out there on such a vulnerable scale. And yes, once you master this, which you will, there's still that idea of like, I can't believe I can't do that, but I can't do that. It's like some people, you got to earn the right to hear people's stories. Mm. And there are just some people that haven't earned that right, ha- that haven't made it safe. And that doesn't mean you're any less brave or not brave or weak. It just means you're you're protecting yourself mm. from not feeling safe at this moment, or maybe yeah. ever. But yeah. you're doing this thing, this next giant scary thing, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I can't even.
1: Well, it, it is. You are a part of it.
0: I feel a part of it. You and are, that's why yeah. the part of me that doesn't want to be like, I think you should write a letter to yourself <laughs> about how exactly I want you to you think you got to. <laughs> The part of me that will be like, so did you do that thing? I'm not going to do that because I'm not going to be that person because my adult self can guard that inner child and be like, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Auntie Savannah is in a very tough way right now, but I want her to be (laughs) successful. Shh. Let's write the letter on her behalf. (laughs) She always Which I can totally do.
1: (laughs) Fantastic. Uh, I will say that it is, this is one of these moments where I never thought it was going to be this. I always thought it was going to be a vampire. Like, oh, Savannah
0: always comes out at night. What do you mean? That would be your TED Talk?
1: When I was in New York and going to those monthly dinners and in the monthly private events, it's like I never thought I'd be out in the broad daylight. I never thought I'd be just chilling at starbucks working on my computer and people's like hey can i ask you a question are you gay you know and taking those <laughs> queries i never thought that that would lead to this which i didn't think would lead to you know what i really feel this is, this is the moment that i should like try to get a ted talk never did i think that and yet here we are
0: i know and when i did those voiceover like when i paid someone and got a voiceover coach reading kids books or yeah. commercials or whatever it was. Did I ever think that like years down the road, it would be like, you're going to podcast and you could use all the voices. <laughs> you can. <laughs> Anyhow.
1: Well, I'm just you. Well, you. Here, Here's here's the thing, though. As we both know, this podcast is purely an outlet for our creative voice training. That's it. That's really the only reason we're here. So you could do your, your kid voices and your Jewish voices. And I could throw in
0: but in, but
1: and you know, I could throw in some impressions now and then. That's really all we're here for. Some poor dialects from regions of the United States. It's all in there.
0: But can I just say something? Sure. God, what was I gonna say? Enter ADD. Oh. So can I write you that letter, like how things will go and like just send it to you? Yes, please. That would be fantastic. Okay.
1: I would love that. Because obviously you have a you you know what it is, what it needs to be to be written. I would totally do it. Love to see that. That's awesome.
0: Well, it's oh it's it's that fine line of like, they have to do their own work. And then me being like, but I could do it for them <laughs> on behalf of them. It's like, no, do your own work. This is the
1: first time I've actually felt the pressure and the want to be again, this be vulnerable, be visible, be empowered, be an advocate, in a way that is scripted that like what I write has all those beats has all those those transitions, this one idea leads into the next and is all cohesive. And and that's the thing I'm struggling with is I want that to be like the eloquence I see on the page for myself is what I want to come out and to
0: talk. And the strange part is, is like your books, the ones that I've read, the two I've read, are very by nature conversational. Mm -hmm. So when I read them, I hear you and I, I, I mean, anyone who, whether they know what your voice sounds like or not, it's very conversational. But what we've learned or what I've learned from you just through going on this process is that and what I am reminded of when I think back to like just giving speeches and is that there's a difference between the words on the page and how you talk in your head versus saying the words out loud and hearing the language and just saying things how you would say it. It's yeah. different than how you'd say it in your head. So there's a, a simplicity and there's, I mean, you, you still talk the way you talk in your books with me conversationally, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. then when you think about a larger platform, right, it, it's different it must've felt like a really humbling and interesting process to be able to take it from the page to the air. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's well, like I said, that's yet, yet to be seen uh, today when I worked with Kristen, my speech coach and she's uh, graduated Dell Carnegie. Hey,
0: shout out. Wah, wah. nice?
1: And uh, today we uh, I had my phone on my ring light tripod and I was out in the main room, uh, in the sunroom, the dogs and Judy are looking on as I'm just kind of going over a little sections of my speech. And she's giving me pointers of, okay, we well, do this with your hands and maybe, you know, like stay like this and have your resting pose and all these so other your things. Resting that,
0: pose.
1: Uh, basically shoulders back, tits up, arms just at the side, just loose mm. and carefree. That's like you're starting. Then you can bring them into your conversation and if you're doing this or that and you you can use them like Vanna White almost where you're you're making your movement and your gestures purposeful to truly 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 enhance the conversation. Yeah. So people cuz if people can see the talk and see those elements of of like movement as well as what they hear that just impacts them, you know, in the brain more so because you're using more than one sense visually and you're being stimulated and you might remember certain aspects of it in a different way.
0: Imagine doing like a shadow puppet story where suddenly your hands are like a butterfly.
1: Yes. Flapping. That's the, like the only one I could do besides the bunny. Shadow puppets. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I want to talk more about you. I'm Me? so in- I'm so interested in you on all levels. And Me? I, yes, you. And I would love to know where you feel vulnerable.
0: I feel vulnerable when singing in front of people. (laughs) I know that sounds funny because I do it here all the time, but it's just us. And then, and I'm very much hiding behind a little bit of a character voice, but just being vulnerable enough to sing without any sort of razzmatazz and just Mm. be vulnerable and sing in front of someone. It's just so exposing and scary. Maybe I've gotten over it through this podcast, <laughs> maybe just a little, but I still wouldn't do karaoke just feels the most exposing that. And for example, taxes, mm. <laughs> <laughs> my business, the money, taxes, I'm like so scared. And <laughs> but just having that discussion, it was vulnerable as shit. It's not something I like to talk about. And I, I become the whiny baby, mm. like a tantrumy baby
1: speaking of tantrums yes i had a tantrum i am apologetic i feel bad about having a tantrum i feel it was a tantrum and maybe it did not come across as as tantrumy as did i you thought cry? no but i almost cried today when i did one of my read-throughs there's a, there's a moment at the very end of, of the talk that's very very emotional to me i don't really? want to get into it now but it is yeah i think it's pretty powerful at but least you least very a,
0: vulnerable it
1: it's is a it's a bit tantrumy Yeah. Well, this thing, this tantrum came from Chris and I had done the the speech, and then it went back to the curators uh, at the TEDx and a lot of comments, a lot of things. And I I was already so like, it's perfect just the way it is. And every time like another comment came in, I just got more and more, I can't make that change. I don't have time. I'm not ready. And I just got so whiny and so vulnerable and so, and I was being very, not bitchy, but resistant to anything mm. they were saying. I was like, and I was trying, I was already trying to process the comments. I was like, how can I make this work? How can I make this work? How can I put this in? And then another yeah. comment coming of like, wait, how, how do I get now that in there? Wait, now you're telling me that this isn't good enough and it's going to be at the top. And it, and all of a sudden, now I was feeling less than yes. and I was feeling uh, vulnerable and. It wasn't good enough, like the speech, because people weren't understanding the point I was making or didn't feel it was strong enough. And I was just mm. so vulnerable with the speech, having people read it. Also, with the assumption that I thought it was like 95% done It's say, could you change this word from um, and to the? I thought it was like that scale. And all of a sudden, it's like, no, nope, you should <laughs> change all these things. And I'm like,
0: no. Oh. Like, we don't get what you're saying when you say dual gender would you take us back and just give us a little bit of a history on that please
1: yeah it was humbling let's just put that was a humbling experience but also my expectation was completely different than what actually happened i really had thought that the talk was ready to go and and maybe it was maybe if i were to do it anywhere else it would be gold right there at that time but I sat on it for a day. I think I spoke to you about it as well. When I was like, it happening to me. I'm so sad. Yeah. And uh, you helped me through that. And I just slept on it and even gave it more time. I think after I got my first vaccination shot. So it was like, even in the afternoon of that, and I went back and said, all right, here's what my subconscious and, and dreaming brain realized. Let me try to put it into practice.
0: And creativity is vulnerability it is so freaking vulnerable i don't even know like kate and i have a pretty good dynamic but when i spend hours and hours hunting for clothes and i send it off and she says yeah i really like i need her to tell me this and i'm thankful but when she tells me yeah i don't really understand the skirt and i'm not really liking the yeah i don't like any of it Like, it makes me want to fall under my covers and, like, just be like, I hate that. You know what I mean? Like, I've developed a a thicker skin, but I think it's very hard to critique an artist. It's very hard to work with a creative. By nature, creative types are brutally insecure (laughs) and have found an outlet, whether it be communication, writing, pottery, painting, you know, whatever it is to channel their entire being and to have an outside person who's outside that experience just be like, all right, so that painting, I know you, you, like your experience was that there was a lot of angst, but it really is like a positive piece. Like -hmm. I'm really getting a lot of joy, a lot of humor. And you're just like, that's not what I'm trying to say. Like it's, it's very vulnerable and how much of ourselves do we compromise for the masses? And how much of it do we just say, okay, this person just doesn't understand what I was trying to communicate. Mm-hmm. And I'm still gonna show up with this painting to this gallery, because this is my truth. It's hard with a Ted talk, cause you're it really, is. It is. You're, there's people. Yeah. There's editors, there's coaches, there's people who they fly out to. It's their job to give you their honest opinion.
1: Right, right.
0: So I imagine for you, it's a balancing act of just like sheer terror and aggravation to be like, I suck, but this is my story. But does my story suck? Like, it's right.
1: Yeah. It's it, was, a lot. yeah it was, I took it very personally with the commentary. And I, again, at the moment I was realizing I was coming up, not in my best light. I understand your comments, I get what you're saying, I appreciate what you're saying to me, just understand, and I'm not gonna have time to do it. And I was just like, I felt so much pressure to do it. To the perfection of everything I was hearing. But in a time crunch that I knew was just not ever feasible at that mm-hmm. at that point. So it'll work Every, out it'll
0: work for out. you, I can imagine that for you, I can imagine that must feel devastating.
1: Yeah, it was. Yeah but it did make it better. I mean, I'm not saying that the, I didn't like craft in those those comments in a way that made it better. It, it made it better. But then I also got the a collaboration with a person who's really on board with my story and how I tell it. And I said, I don't like this. I put it in. I don't like it. And she's like, yeah, don't do it. <laughs> it's not your not your vision. It's not your voice. Let's talk about it what are you thinking? I said, well, I'm thinking we could do it this way. And this is like the idea that I get from it. When we are talking about it, it's like, no, I don't think it matters. That's not, is it critical to your journey? I'm like, not really. She's like, then don't do it. Do what's the most important things to your journey and keep those in and not worry about these little detours that. That
0: would take so much longer. And again, it's not your voice. It's not your story.
1: Yes, those things, or they're part of my story, but to tell those other stories would become their own talks in their own right. And right. to just You've, give it two senses is not going to do the work.
0: Didn't you make like three different versions of three different stories? Like you just got an idea of the story you want to tell. Like yeah. not just, but you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. it was a process being right. like, okay, I don't want to tell that story. I want to tell that story. It right. just kind of right. honing in on, on what the story you want to tell in and of itself takes... Some redrafting and drafting, which mm-hmm. I'm I'm sure you're you know you being an expert in the writing process and the editing process, you know that that's just part of it. It's the it's the yeah. shit of it, but it's <laughs> like what it is. And then to have someone being like at the 11th hour, like, yeah, can you tell this different story and you're just, or can you add this story to what's going to happen? And at what point do you just look past the illusion of feedback and be no (laughs) yeah yeah i cannot
1: yeah i'm trying very hard to to walk that fine line um to to kind of hear, i want to be able to hear everything and it's hard for me to hear everything objectively and i have to kind of walk away with it and sit on it and then collaborate and do all those things that you know whatever whatever makes sense or i don't agree but let me get a second opinion what do you think I also don't agree. Great. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you're so inside your own story, you kind of get blinder to the fact that like, well, I heard what you said, but I don't get it. And I'm like, but why not? I told you what you need to know. Except for the fact that 90% of it is still in my head and not on a page or not in a speech. So I have to be cognizant of making sure I give enough context to something.
0: And this is your heartbeat. This is your freaking life. Yeah. This is your life. And all the cross-dressing individuals that are listening, defending your life, whether it be to your significant other, to the world at large. I mean, it's not a new concept, right? It's something that you can imagine you're pretty well versed in at this point. Then take it to a TED Talk stage where this is already a new thing. Of course, they're going to ask questions. Already there's that piece of it where you're already coming in like a what is it a dark horse or or someone that you're trying to explain something to someone that is new and you're trying to teach them. So I don't know. It must feel very complicated. And I want all of our listeners to know that Savannah is very much in it right now. It's not like she's like around the bend. Like she's literally at the point where she's trying to figure out how to work with the comments, what to let go from the comments, what to keep, what to just hold on to. So it's, it's,
1: yeah. it's
0: very active right now. In it's very sort of active, It's being a yes, process it's... and not a product, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But I only have less than six days before my rehearsal. And then- right. I less... just
0: threw up a little.
1: <laughs> I know,
0: you would be bold.
1: And then uh, less than two weeks for the actual recording. So yeah, it's- Oh, uh, shit. Yeah but we'll get there. I just had to get over myself a little bit, but that also brings me back to the point you were talking about of being visible and vulnerable and taking those steps. We're talking a lot about me and I appreciate you taking the time to hear me and let me vent, but I also wanna make sure that the people who are out there grinding, who are trying to open up to their partners or trying to be vulnerable to a family member or a best friend from college that they feel is the only one who might understand them or finding a community or whatever it is. We all find ourselves in such vulnerable positions so often as dressers because we're always trying to figure out who should we tell? How is it going to go? What happens if it doesn't go well? And we're constantly calculating the odds about how will people accept us for the people we are? And I wanna say to all of us, because as you're hearing my story and Julie has heard my story and we've heard from other people that we've shared, we can feel vulnerable at any time for anything. And it's not necessarily, but I already did that once, it should be easier now. It is not easier now, unless it is. But just understand that, like, we will always feel a level of vulnerability when it comes to the fact that cross-dressing is still not a mainstream idea, that we aren't accepted culturally or socially in a way that we should be, because we are part of the fabric of culture. So at some point, we will get there. But until then, we're always going to have that sense of vulnerability when we're trying to share.
0: Right. Right. And it's very easy once we do that scary thing and kind of build comfort and normalcy around it to forget that we need to keep on challenging ourselves, to do that next scary thing, or else we won't really evolve as a human. We'll just be okay with growing X amount of feet in terms of our personal growth. And I struggle with that a lot. It's like, okay, I've, I've put myself out there. What's the next thing I can do to show up for the community that puts myself out there, that puts education out there. It's scary no matter who you are, no matter what you do. And for cross-dressing individuals, it's, it's constant. I've learned.
1: It is. Yeah. And you're so right, because I got super, super comfortable going to Starbucks, right? Like, it's my safe haven. I could go from the house to the car to Starbucks, get my drink, sit down, (gasps) safe. And then all of a sudden, what? You want me to go to Walmart? (gasps) Gasp. Or, oh my God, you want me? And then once I got past that, it's like, oh, okay, that wasn't so bad. So now the lows across the street from Walmart, oh, that's no big deal. I'll get a circuit breaker. (laughs) in his his big hardware store and that was a no-brainer so agreed I was so comfortable in Starbucks I didn't realize that Walmart would have been a challenge but yet it was but as Mm -hmm. soon as I overcame that challenge then I was like oh but I can do this other thing too yeah if you if you don't challenge yourself from your safety net you will kind of stagnate in that bubble of comfortability and And
0: think of it I mean, a lot of my wisdom comes from people like Brene Brown. It's almost like think of your, and I'll put it in a cross-dressing context. Think about your vis- visibility in terms of being like monkey bars, where you're, you're just going from one rung to the next rung to the next rung to the next rung, and you keep on going. And there is the opportunity to kind of fall, but then you grab hold of that bar again So always keep on kind of swinging to that next thing. And once you, once you land on that bar, what's the next bar that you can grab? Is it Jamba juice? Is it the library? Is it, you know, and the good news is, is you have very basic, you you know, examples, very basic ideas that you go in mail mode to, and you don't even think anything about it. Right. So thinking about all the places in your life, and the situations, whether it be a park, whether it be the bagel store, how, what is that next bar, that next scary thing that you can do to put yourself out there in a vulnerable context? And once you survive, there's another bar waiting for you. Um, because if you just hold on to that bar and stand stand up, and you're just standing holding on to that bar, you've stopped, you're frozen, you're you're not continuing along the path of visibility. You're not continuing on with your journey on behalf of you, on behalf of all of us. And I put myself in the shoes of a cross-dresser, but on behalf of everyone who's just trying to live a normal life. I mean, if we think about just going to the bathroom, I can't even imagine like the cro- within a cross-dressing context, maybe there are individuals and and please chime in if you have any feedback on this that don't even feel like they have a right to go to the bathroom Mm
1: -hmm. because who
0: they're somewhere in the middle. So already that basic need has been taken away because they feel kind of pervy or wrong or all the stuff going into the female bathroom presenting as such, because this isn't their 100% way of being
1: right. No, absolutely. They can't go
0: into the male bathroom. So already that basic right of like peeing is already, I can imagine maybe won't even make that list and it's so fundamental like yeah
1: it's a good point very good point some um, places are men and women bathrooms and there are some places that have kind of unisex right you know you just go in whatever one's open that target, so it's target. Yep. um starbucks i think yep. is kind of unisex uh in most places and when i w- went to a writers conference in north carolina this was on the heels of all the bathroom bills uh mm. and so i'm standing there before one of the main seminars looking at the bathroom in the hotel going, okay, which one can I go into? Because I, right. I, I hadn't followed up to see like, what is the actual law now in North Carolina? I didn't know. And I right. finally said, I'm looking like a woman. I'm going to go into the woman's bathroom. because You would not
0: be accepted in the male's bathroom. <laughs>
1: oh, well, I don't know. I mean, I really don't know what could have happened. But the idea that some woman comes walking in that you know is a man, the women talk about, we don't want these pervs in our in our bathrooms. Right. But then think about the cross-dresser who's presenting as female, all of a sudden going into the men's bathroom and all these men are wondering why there's men in a dress is there. And that could be even more dire in consequence. So yeah, I totally get it. These are scary, scary moments. It, like there's something as fundamental as going to the bathroom. Yeah. It should not be something we have to concern ourselves with
0: just something as basic like that I mean we could have a whole discussion on it but the topic at hand is how do we push ourselves forward Mm. when it comes to our visibility and when it comes to showing up for our female self and being represented
1: well Um, yeah I mean I got a couple ideas on that I mean if we start from those people in the closet the closet closet and then those people kind of expand themselves out to the house closet <laughs> mm. otherwise known as a bigger closet.
0: Yeah. And
1: then maybe in the they room. in the living room, right? Or maybe the next step would be I'm going to go for a drive. I'm just going to get in the car. Okay, it's not the daytime. Okay, but it's dusk and it, you know it's a little darker, people won't notice me. I'm going to just go for a drive in Femme. Or I'm going to go uh in a car in Femme, but then go to a park and sit on a park bench.
0: Or a walk in the woods. We or talk walk in about, the
1: woods. Yeah. You
0: and I talked about the least amount of interaction.
1: Yes. Yeah. Air We're...
0: is our interaction. <laughs> Trees.
1: <laughs> Trees in nature. Right. Yeah. So then the next thing would be, well, I went in the car to a park, walked the trail knowing nobody was gonna be there, went back to my car. What else would be more interaction than this? Going to get gas?
0: Mm-hmm. Now
1: I'm at the pump. Nobody's necessarily near me. Yeah, level two. Now, nobody's necessarily near me, but people can see me. And if you want to ramp that up a little bit more, Mm. it's like, well, I'm going to go. and ramp
0: that baby up. Mm. Let's go up. Beep, 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 beep. Level three, please. What is level three?
1: Level three. Level three would be taking that one step up going, you know what? Not only am I going to fill my car up with gas, I'm going to go inside and get myself a burrito so I can fill myself up with gas.
0: Oh, henna. (laughs) Or like maybe the mall. Let's yes. say walking through the mall, you're not going to go in and buy anything if you mm-hmm. don't want to. You're not going to exchange money if you don't want to, but you want to be one with the people. Yep. At worst, you'll get some stares. At best, everyone will be on their phone and not giving a, a fooey about you, yeah. and you'll just yes. keep on going. Or you'll be on your phone, yep. and you'll feel one with the people who could Bop their face into a pole at any second because they're on their phone too. Right. To me, level three can also be how do you keep yourself out without having to interact, unless you want to. Excuse me, do you have the time? Like if you're Mm. practicing. Right. I think the mall is a safe place because you're it's crawling with people, you're in the world, and the biggest, you know, gold star, the biggest sticker that you can give yourself is for standing sharing space with people that are just moving about their yeah,
1: days yeah exactly and if you just four level four or level five would be that same mall you go to the mall now you decide well i do want to interact so i'm going to go into maurice's or COVID's
0: ended you'll yeah. go to the movie theater
1: yeah and that's actually kind of like a step and a half because you can have people sitting around you but nobody's really looking at you. They're looking at the screen. The only person you're going to talk to is the concession person and the person taking your money for the ticket.
0: But you can bring stuff in your purse. Oh, <gasps> I,
1: I cannot promote that. I'm just saying. I, don't I
0: can. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've done it. I've done it. I've done it. Um, so then like, what's next? Going to a restaurant, sitting down with a friend, having a meal.
0: That's where... black belt territory.
1: mm. But then even then you have a hostess and you have a wait staff who are taking you have care bathrooms
0: of you. that so be aware of your liquid intake
1: yeah <laughs> yes true <laughs> very true
0: when you're in the mall do you want to go on the second floor or do you want for your first time to be on the first floor i know we're backtracking but exits people exits
1: that's true yeah like if you,
0: you know like yeah if
1: you have to think about like oh my god i need to get to that escalator to get back down to where i parked the car that if you get panicked yeah absolutely be aware of where you are and push your threshold push your threshold a little bit but don't put yourself in such a vulnerable position that you feel like you you can't get out of it
0: i concur
1: yes and then you just take it up from there this is what i would give you in tier levels time of day obviously nighttime is gonna feel safer than daytime. The openness of the area, like the but ability
0: Attractive to- lighting.
1: Attractively, yes. Whether it's attractive lighting or not. Uh, secondarily, you could have the openness of the space. Like the more open and kind of wide open it is, the less people you may interact with, the quicker you can get out of it. Then it starts talking about like venues that are maybe more enclosed with people or without people and with people. So you start ramping up your experiences to a way that- You slowly keep putting your toe in different pools and see how it fits and see how you feel.
0: And it could be something you set up, like for the coaching I do with people, it could be a once a month double dog dairy CD diet where you just put yourself in that scary position in the safest way possible with vulnerability as as the fire in your belly and being like, okay, I'm going to go in. I'm gonna to go to CVS, mm. I'm gonna get one thing and I'm gonna leave. Or I'm gonna to go to CVS, I'm gonna look around and then I'm gonna leave. And then continuously add, continuously stretch yourself for that next scary thing, for that yeah. next, for that next part of you that is, does wanna be seen, does deserve to take up space and be seen.
1: So, um, so yeah,
0: just continuously challenging yourself and setting little goals and just keep on keeping is
1: what yeah, I Yeah, you have you to and, and don't backslide or let me rephrase that don't just assume that if you've done it once you've got all bases covered I think we've made that point today I was very very comfortable in one space but didn't realize just by being sent to another space it would be so challenging and paralyzing with fear to even do it without all this internal angst. And the fact that I had angst is just a reminder of like, I feel, I perceive that people perceive me as a terrible, disgusting thing. And I think that the more we recognize that we are amazing people, that we can hold ourselves in higher esteem, that we will not feel that we are less than awesome. And then at the end of the day, does it really matter? Does it matter what other people think? i
0: wish it didn't affect us so much
1: i i agree i wish that my worry about what what people might think of savannah walking into a grocery store wasn't a concern that i would have the more i put myself out there though i've had beautiful experiences i've had two women where i didn't have a coupon or i didn't have a card like one of those discount cards for the grocery store and i was in line and these two women were leaving and of course the cashier asked me so oh do you have the 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 card the discount card i'm like no i don't usually come in here and they both came back and let me use theirs mm. and so it's those kind of interactions like when you realize that for the vast 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 majority people are just people people are just getting on with their own lives and that for the most part they're going to be kind and they're going to be okay that that's what you'll realize is the most important thing
0: and a lot of people who don't think you're like, is the word a damnation?
1: Mm, that's a word.
0: <laughs> don't care if you wanna wear a dress. Like, there's that whole idea like, if you wanna wear a dress, well, honey, you go wear a dress. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And you look lovely.
1: I hope that people can take my story and pushing the boundaries of my own comfort and being more vulnerable can help you recognize that you have that ability in yourself
0: you are not just pushing the boundary you are taking a giant kick with your f me heel and you are (laughs) banging down those doors and you are you're gonna do it you're gonna do the thing and i can't wait to have a recording i mean we have a a few ways that we're gonna let people know what's going on with this talk and yeah but i can't wait for us all to be with you on the other side of this thing and just be like, oh my God, you did the thing. You did it.
1: I can't wait. Like I said, I'm with Judy on this. She says, I wish it was just over with so you could bask in the the glow of what you produced and accomplished. I'm like, yeah, because right totally. now I'm, just, I'm in the oh thick. Gosh. I'm in the thick of it. I just want to make it good, do the presentation or do the talk and come out of it and be like, wow, I just did that thing. And
0: now what's next? You just did that thing. And just that. that's something you can take to the grave. Yeah. You wrote the book. Then you wrote the other book. Mm. <laughs> you did the podcast. You gave the TED talk You're already there.
1: Yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting. It's terrifying. But I find that putting myself out there, while scary in some regards, is so liberating.
0: Mm.
1: And you know, when you do it, you've done it and you can say, wow, the world is not as scary as I thought, or wow, look at what I actually could do and didn't realize I could do.
0: Look what I did when I, I did this thing and I was so afraid, but I did it anyways.
1: Yeah. And that's a Testament to how much fortitude we have Mm. to do it.
0: Yes. I'm Mm. so proud of you. And I, I know I can speak for every single listener when I say that, thank you. This is a giant, huge gift to all of us who are trying to be seen and fighting to be heard and trying to put ourselves out there on a much bigger plane. Mm. I mean, your bravery is taking everyone's fear and kind of putting it into a, a creative billboard and just being like, let's do this. Yeah we're all with you and we're all behind you. And I seriously meant it when I said, when you're up there, just picture all of us just having your back and just go out there and you kick some ass. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, this has been a very wonderful episode. Anytime I get to talk about you, I feel like oh. it's been a good thing or just sharing space is an amazing and beautiful day. So I appreciate you and I appreciate all of our listeners. We both do.
1: Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much.
0: So goodbye for now.
1: Until next time. You can find me on Facebook at Savannah Hawk or at Living With Dressing, and on Instagram at Savannah Hawk. Remember, that's H-A-U-K. And to learn more, go to my website, livingwithcrosswrestling.com.
0: And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Fox and Hanger or at MTF Style, as well as on our website at foxandhanger.com. Julie, it's your moment. (gasps) The Fox and the Phoenix podcast uses Anchor, copyright 2021. Yes, nailed it. We would love to hear from you because your story matters. Please comment and share on Facebook at Fox and Phoenix podcast or on Instagram at the Fox and the Phoenix podcast underscore.